that. I want to look at this a little bit today and give you an encouraging thought this evening on the same passage that we read this morning in John chapter 11. And um, I think it's amazing as we, as we study the Gospels you, and, and you become familiar with the Bible, you see on a regular basis that, uh, well, I mean, Hollywood and much of its movies have taken a lot of their plot twists from biblical stories. Uh, things start out good, then they start to get bad, and then there's a, a hero that shows up. And it has, there's a happy ending, right? And the people love happy endings. You know, they just do. They, you like to watch the emotional ups and downs and all that. And, and they, they stole that principle from the Bible. God understands the significance of us going through a doubtful times, scary times, struggling times. Because when we see the victory at the end, it's so much more appreciated because of what we went through. If everything was always on top of the mountain, we never went through the valley. The mountain's view would get boring. And so God does put us through uh, valleys, and God does let us experience things in life that, that, that shake our faith, that challenge our thinking. And then in the end, we come out and say, wow, God knew exactly what he was doing. And this chapter is a beautiful chapter. One of the reasons I love the book of John is because of how much time God shows or allows John to, uh, to pay attention to an individual story for such a long time. I mean, in John chapter 3, you have almost the whole chapter devoted to the relationship between Nicodemus and Jesus. John chapter 4, the woman at the well and then John chapter uh, 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery, is, takes up a few verses there. And here we have in John chapter 11 the whole story of Lazarus. In John chapter 9, two chapters before, you have the blind man who's healed. And almost the whole chapter focuses on him. But here in John chapter 11, Jesus Christ, when he hears the news that Lazarus is sick, he already knows the end of the story. He already knows he's going to show up. He already knows that Lazarus is going to raise from the dead. He knows all of those things. He already knows. He's got it all planned out. But I want you to notice first, I'm going to give you three quick words tonight, but the first one tonight is, it's amazing to me that he still expressed uh, concern for the people there, concern. If you look there in John chapter 11, verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Now, this verse has been controversial through the years. Uh, there are those that say that Jesus was actually angry at the crowd because of their lack of faith, um, because of other verses that say he groaned, but when you see those two words there, Jesus wept, I, I, I don't think there's any debate that Jesus was grieving with the people because he saw the pain and the hurt of people. If you're a human being that has any compassion, nobody gets joy when somebody else is crying, right? I remember one time I was at an airport in, in a distance. I, I shouldn't I tell you this story. I'm going to turn on my man card. I was just sitting in the airport waiting for my flight. I don't think I've ever told my wife or kids this story. And someone sitting in the distance was crying. And I don't know why they were crying. And I started to cry. I don't know why they were crying. I mean, maybe they, they didn't win the lottery ticket that day. I don't know the reason why they weren't crying. I don't know why they were crying, but I just, I just started finding back tears just because I saw them crying. And then somebody was checking on me all of a sudden. Hey, sir, are you okay? And I just pointed over there. You know, I don't like, nobody likes to talk when you're crying. You know, I have an ugly cry face. Eric likes to make fun of all the time. But I just pointed over there, and they looked over there, and they said, what's wrong with them? And I was like, I don't know. And the person looked at me like I was crazy and just finally just went on. I was like, just, you know, just let me cry, okay? I have no idea why they were crying, but I was just touched because it looked like they were hurting. It looked like they were going through a tough time. And, uh, and so I think that's, 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 that's the beauty of Jesus Christ here. Jesus knows. I mean, Jesus knows. He could, he could have shown up with the attitude of, listen, don't cry, man. It's getting a great good. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, he lets them experience the grief. He even lets them, don't miss this now, experience their frustration towards him possibly because they are thinking, Jesus, if you would have come earlier, you would have healed him. I know you would have. They had, they had the faith. Isn't this amazing? This is how we are as Christians sometimes. Don't miss this truth too. 
We have the faith that he'll heal somebody, but we don't even think he could raise him from the dead. Our faith sometimes goes up and down. Our faith has limits. Like, oh, yeah, we know he could have healed him, but now he stinketh, and he's been dead for four days, and he's buried, and there's nothing Jesus can do, right? Oh, wait a minute. But before Superman Jesus shows up, compassionate Jesus shows up. And the Bible utters the shortest verse in all the Bible. Jesus wept. All the people saw the tears streaming down Jesus' face. It just shows that Jesus, he, he, he understands and feels the, con- the, the concern for you and me. He does. When you hurt, he hurts. And that's what makes the, the, whole, the whole story, the, the, beautiful, the beautiful, powerful point of God becoming flesh for you and me. I mean, God, God is God. I mean, period, right? Nothing could change that. But when Jesus Christ came to start, and he became flesh, and he knew what it was like to, to be sad, and he knew what it was like to, to cry, and he knew what it was like to, to grieve, and he knew what it was like to, to be rejected. He experienced the, the human emotions on a huge scale. He experienced it so that when all of us are going through tough times, he is literally concerned for you and me. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. What a blessing it is to know that tonight. No matter what you're going through in this life, no matter what burdens you carry, the questions you have for God, Jesus has concern for you. Now, here's what happens, though, sometimes in the Christian life. That concern is expressed. We know he cares. We know he cares. But then we forget to obey his commandments. The second word I want us to look at tonight very, very briefly is command, his commands, his commands. After the weeping is going on, after he's been questioned, after the sisters are showing some disgust, disgust and disappointment, after there's some frustration, you see Jesus immediately start to give out commands. He commands them to move the stone away. He commands Lazarus to come forth. He starts giving out his commandments. Look at, look at, here's some of his commandments. Look at verse 40. Jesus saith, I said not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God, then they took away the stone. Why did they move the stone away? Because Jesus told them to. Jesus commanded them to move the stone away. And then he says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And then he gives another command. He commands Lazarus to come forth. Now, let's stop for a second, okay? Time out, okay? All all of us have been at funerals before, okay? I, I love one of my favorite... Uh, when I just need a good laugh is to watch. There's, there's this guy, I don't know who he is, but he, he sets up these, these funerals, and he has a person laying in the coffin. People are sitting there crying, and all of a sudden the, the dude sits up in the middle of it and scares everybody like crazy. And, uh, I mean, you don't expect that. None of us would expect that at the funerals we've gone to, right? You just don't expect that. Here we are. We read these stories and take them for granted, but think about this. Jesus shows up. He's been dead for four days. He's been mourned for four days. In Hebrew culture, Hebrew customs, you typically mourn someone you love for 30 or 40 days. So they're just getting started. Their hearts are broken. And Jesus tells them to move the stone away. And you ready for this, church? I mean, let's actually show a little shock. A dead dude walks out. A dead man comes out of the tomb. A man whose pulse stopped a man whose heart stopped beating, a man who now stinketh, walks out of the tomb. Okay, you're not as shocked as I am. I read that story sometimes, and I'm like, there's just no way. I mean, what do people do? I, 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 I honestly, I think some people took off running. 
I see dead people, and they just took off running, right? I mean, the little kids running away and seeing, we saw a dead man walking around, you know. I mean, I, I grew up a public, public school kid, and one of the things we love to do is play around in the, in the cemeteries. I don't know why we did that. Chuck's laughing back there. I mean, we, we public school teenagers, we, we went to the cemeteries a lot and did some crazy things in cemeteries, man. I look back and say, I was an idiot. Midnight in a cemetery, if some dead dude came out of the grave, I'd have, been, I'd have taken his place there in the grave. I mean, I'll swim with sharks. I'll jump off cliffs. I do crazy things. But if someone dead starts walking around, I'm dead, right? I mean, that's just a crazy concept, right? It's a crazy idea. It's impossible. Oh, hold on. The impossible happens when God's people start obeying his commandments. The unbelievable takes place when people just start believing when God tells you to do something. When God commands us to do things. I mean, Jesus told Peter, hey, come on. He steps out of the boat and Peter did something that nobody's ever done up to that point and since. He walked on water. Yeah, I know he fell down. He started to drown, but he walked on water. Why? Because he obeyed a direct command from Jesus. While his concern, while we're going through the tough times, don't stop obeying the commandments of God. Don't stop obeying the commandments of his principles. Don't shy away from obeying. Obedience is the very best way to show that we what? Believe. There's so much truth in that. I used to tell my kids all the time. I didn't negotiate with my kids when they were little. But I would just tell them, I do not want to discipline you. I do not enjoy spanking you. If you would just obey me, we will not have problems. But when you disobey me and you don't obey my commandments, they live under my roof. They're going to do what I say. I said they live under my roof. They're going to do what I say. I pay the bills, right? They're going to obey dad. And if they disobey, if they disobey my wife, notice I didn't say their mother, my wife, we're going to have problems. I have to step in and discipline them, right? All they have to do is obey my commandments, and everything runs smoothly. By the way, again, to young parents here, the more you invest in them from zero to four, the easier it gets from five and up. Did you hear me? Invest that time. Say no more from zero to four. You want to say no as much from five and up. Some powerful truths there. Now watch this. The more we obey his commandments, the potential for miracles and great things to happen becomes so possible. And you and I as Christians today, no matter what we're going through, do not ignore or brush aside or take or think lightly of his commandments still. His commandments are, are just the same on a rainy day as a sunshiny day. His commandments are the same when you lose a loved one or when everything's going good for you in your life. His commandments are good when you have a lot of money in the bank or you have a little bit of money in the bank. You've heard the stories of missionaries telling how they had no money in their bank account. God commanded them to give it an offering. And they gave it the offering and God started blessing them because of that. Because they obeyed a principle or a commandment. In the midst of our tough times, discipline ourselves even more than normal to make sure we are obeying the commandments. He commands us to pray every day. He commands us to read our Bible. He commands us to be faithful to the assembling of his church. He commands us to do certain things in our lives, to be a witness. Continue to obey those commandments. He commands us to forgive, obey those commandments. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. But when we are in that stage of life where Jesus is concerned for us, obey, obey and obey and obey his consistent commandments. Because when Lazarus came out, he gave another commandment. Remove the grave clothes. 
And now he's free to go and grow. Why? Because they obeyed his commandments. So number one, he's still concerned. Number two, obey his commandments. Number three, maybe this is another one we all struggle with, right? Don't forget his consistency. Don't forget his consistency. All right, we're at John chapter 11. John chapter 11, right? John chapter 2, according to the book of John, his first miracle was performed. What was it? Quiz tonight. The, the Bible says it was his first miracle. What was it? That's right. He went to a wedding, and he turned the water to wine, right? That's his first miracle. That's what the Bible says. His first miracle, right? As you start to go down, you see, since John chapter 2, he's already fed the multitudes. He's already done several miracles. And if you marry this up or match this up with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, by this point of their lives, the disciples, the people even of the community, in particular here where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived, there should have been some kind of, hey, wait a minute now, Jesus is fixing to do something, right? Almost in anticipation. And yet sometimes we might pick on them a little bit because they did not show that spirit of anticipation they probably should have. We are the same way sometimes. We forget that what he has done yesterday, he can do today, and he will do tomorrow if his people will obey his commandments and trust him and believe that he can. You see in John chapter 11 again, he tells them to move the stone away. Maybe I gave the testimony that I'd be afraid to see a dead man come out. Maybe we should have been in the spirit of anticipation. Exciting said, oh, if Jesus told him to move the stone away, something big's about to happen. I think sometimes I have offended my Savior, and I'm ashamed to say it. I've offended him because when I needed something or I'm going through something, and I started to look in other places instead of go to him first. Instead of go to him first. I need him. I need him. And he wants you and me to need him. And he wants you and me to look to him and, and to anticipate that miracle. That, that miracle you've been praying for, that, you, that your loved one that, that you want to see saved, your, your mother, your father, your, or an in-law, or somebody that's not saved in your family, that you want to see them get saved. Believe it can happen. The stone's been moved. Someone dead's about to come out, and they're going to be saved. There's hope. God is a consistent God. And when God sees the faith of his people, God will consistently meet that faith with a miracle. Too many Christians today, are we've become so Americanized and thinking that everything depends upon us. This church's success depends on the pastor or it doesn't. It depends on the deacons and the elders or the leadership of the Sunday school teacher. Listen, church, we do have to do our best, but the church depends upon him. He is the miracle worker. He is the one that can do the things that man cannot explain. I mean, we can do things as a church. Many churches in America are doing things, but they're still able to be explained by man. I want to see that next level of Christianity when people start saying, there's no way a man did that. There's no way a preacher did that. That's not odd. That's God. That happens when we realize how consistent he is. He is consistent. He wants to continually say, Lazarus, come forth. He wants to say, loose him and let him go. 
He wants us to hear those words on a regular basis. And when you and I believe, and when we obey, and when we hear, and when we are present, and when we pray, and when we praise, we begin to see that same God of consistency perform miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And we all know the true definition of a miracle. It is something that takes place that man had nothing to do with. you know what a man can do with a miracle? Witness it and talk about it. And that's why God loves to do miracles. So church, remember he's concerned for you right now. Remember, let's continue all of us to obey his commandments. And let's remember he is a God of consistency. I'm the Lord, I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a consistent God. And all through the Bible, he's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't decide to bless somebody over somebody else just because they're better looking or have more talent or have more money. No, he blesses faith. He blesses obedience. And when God's people consistently do what they're supposed to do, God consistently does what he is supposed and wants to do. So tonight, church, know he's concerned for us. Anticipate, right, Miss Paulette? Anticipate obeying his commands. Anticipate the consistency of his miracles. Heads are bad, eyes are closed. Thanks for listening to us tonight.
I really wasn't one for going to church, you see. But I went that night somehow in spite of that. They ushered me in with a warm and friendly smile. And five rows back, I sat. Five rows back, I remember it well. The story of Jesus I heard them tell. They spoke about heaven and warned of hell. I listened from five rows back. Oh, the words of the preacher man were like arrows of burning truth. And they reached my heart as he spoke so earnestly. He told how Jesus suffered, how he bled and died. And he did it just for sinners like me. Soon the choir started singing just as I am. Oh, I knew I was lost. My life was a sham. So I came and I was washed in the blood of the Lamb. From five rows back I came. What a change. Things are different now. Peace and happiness fill my heart. Jesus walks and he talks with me each passing day. And I know that through the years of time and for all eternity, I'll not forget the night my sins were washed away. When that choir was singing, just as I am, oh, I knew I was lost. My life was a sham. So I came and I was washed in the blood of the Lamb. From five rows back I came. From five rows back, praise God, I came.